Welcome to The Nine Line, your news and information source for healthcare-related issues impacting Southern Nevada veterans, and a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. And now, here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. Hi, welcome to The Nine Line Podcast, and you are not listening to an old episode. This is the newest episode from November 11th, 2022, and I'm your host, John Archiquette. With my co-host... I'm back to co-host status. <laughs> Joshua Gray. The long national nightmare is over. <laughs> There's two of us on this show again. I'm so happy. I'm just happy you invited me back. <laughs> yes, th- I, this I, was I, the entire reason I dragged you back into this office to work here. It's <laughs> because I got tired of doing this podcast all by myself. So I will gladly cede to you the host chair and resume my uh, follow-up questioning role. <laughs> so thank you. I appreciate the warm welcome back. Uh and of course, because uh, you know we're bringing the whole gang back together. It's such a momentous occasion. We got to run it all the way back to our first episode, right? Yeah, we've got Mr. Bill Karen here joining us again, the director and CEO of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. Welcome back, John. Thank you. I appreciate it. So um, yeah, before we get into the the, the topics of the day, because we have lots of great things to talk about, um, I am back here on the show. I am back at the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. Um, I am very happy. Uh, I had. A Great experience working with the uh, the adaptive sports program, creative arts program, and I'm really looking forward to bringing some of those uh, some of those lessons learned back to the veterans here because there are so many great opportunities out there, uh, and we'll talk about those later in the show because there is a big opportunity for all those veterans who want to get a chance to go up to Aspen this year or next year, excuse me, um, that just opened up. So we'll talk about that later. But first, so many big things going on this week. Um, in addition to me rejoining here. Um, the 10th of November, which, of course, if you're listening on Friday, would have been yesterday, uh, the Marine Corps birthday. That's right. So we uh, would be remiss if we did not mention that. Uh, so Are we going to have a cake? Um, only if it's made of crayons. Some- <laughs> oh, my. Oh, I'm no. going to go back to hosting the show by myself here <laughs> yeah. pretty quickly. Nothing but, nothing but love for all of our devil dogs. Uh, mm-hmm. Semper Fi. Uh, of course, we're Air Force here, but we have uh, lots of great Marine Corps uh, veterans who work with us and who you know we work with on a daily basis. So. Now, are we going to cut a cake here? Are we, are we going to do that Marine Corps tradition where, like, the youngest Marine and the oldest Marine? It, we have historically. I know we... Um, do we cut it with a sword or do we yes. use, like, a scalpel? Yeah, well, you know. No, no, just because it's a hospital. No, <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know if there's an event planned for that. <clears throat> they, the uh, individual that um, the our oldest Marine that used to do that, uh, unfortunately passed away uh, not not too long ago. So I'm not sure what Chuck has teed up for our uh, Marine Corps birthday. Well, it's still an important day that we like to recognize here. Absolutely. Um, and of course, the day this is airing should be November 11th, and that is Veterans Day. Right. And that's a, you know a day that we all hold very near and dear to our hearts. Um, you know we strive to make sure that we treat every day as if it were Veterans Day uh, here at the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. Um, but you know November 11th still provides us with a great reminder of of how valuable our veterans are to us. Uh, Mr. Karen, as a veteran yourself, in addition to being the director of the healthcare system, what does this day mean to you? Uh, great question, John. It you know we uh, I remember when the the little motto slogan that was uh, that came up uh, throughout our ranks here, and I, and I forget the individual uh, where she worked, but talked about how we want every day to to be Veterans Day here from from an experience standpoint for our veterans. But on Veterans Day itself, um, I can't help but think back to my my grandfather, who was a World War II veteran, radioman, 
Um, and he had one of the first artificial valves done, uh, ironically, at a VA hospital uh, back in New England in, uh, in Massachusetts, I believe. So I remember as a young, a young lad uh, with my play school or Fisher-Price uh, medical set with a stethoscope, putting that over his heart, and I could hear the whirring of that um, artificial valve uh, spinning uh, that had been put in. So I think about him, I think about um, certainly my dad, who's, uh, who's going to be visiting out here during Thanksgiving, he's a Vietnam-era veteran uh, who spent time in country there, um, the time that I spent um, helping uh, in the military hospital, second medical group at Barksdale Air Force Base, um, and that team that was out there, um, I remember the deployments when I was in college. Um, it just those are it just brings back a, a flood of memories of both good and, and and not great and it just reminds me of um, just coming off the election here as much as we might get frustrated with um, what's happening in our country this is still the best place to live on the planet um, and I think anyone who's who's born here uh, needs to recognize that they they already won the lottery at birth um, so on that that special day it's a time for reflection it's a time to um, send our, our respect and our thanks uh, and remind one another that um, the heroes that we take care of here um, uh, have protected our freedom for years and years and years and years. So it's just a, it's a tremendous day, but I would say reflection is the biggest thing for me. It really makes me think. Yeah, and it really gives us an opportunity to, you know, to kind of recommit ourselves to, to why we come here every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> actually I, was, uh, I managed to come back to this hospital here about a month ago for the visit of uh, Secretary McDonough. Right, right. And it was really great to, to see him and, and hear him speak. Uh, he talked a lot about the PAC Act. And, um, you know, he met with a lot of the hospital leadership and some local stakeholders. What were some of the most important takeaways for you from that visit? Uh, a couple things. He, um, <clears throat> I appreciated how approachable he was, uh, that he spent time uh, not just with the, with the leadership team, but, but with staff. He had a staff clutch. He was out there. He was visible walked around, or had asked us in advance, uh, the people that we thought, you want to recognize all 3,300 of us uh, if possible, but that's just unfortunately with the time restrictions, he, he doesn't, he can't go and shake each individual's hand. Um, uh, it just, you just, it's really hard to just say, well, okay, let's go here, let's go here, let's go here, because there's so much to brag about and so much uh, great work that's being done here. So he, uh, he was very open, uh, had a lot of conversation with veterans and with staff. We were able to um, have a, a bit of a coining ceremony, um, which was very honorable and uh, was quite touching for those. And the focus was uh, the, the COVID relief, uh, the COVID recovery phase is what I'm calling it, essentially that um, when he asked me what I was most proud of uh, with regards to this organization, I said, the people that are here, um, even when the chips were down, you know, even at the uh, most challenging moments of, okay, how do I risk my own personal safety to do the right thing by our veterans and our fellow staff members? I said, they showed up. Uh, and I said, I couldn't be more proud of that. I said, and whether it was leadership positions, administrative positions, or direct clinical care, they showed up and they kept showing up to do the right thing. Uh, so he felt that um, the culture here as he walked around and talked to people, it was very positive, uh, a very um, can-do attitude, high energy, uh, and was really um, 
was really glad he came here. He said that gives him a lot of energy as well versus his uh, typical uh, day in D.C., so to speak. You know, uh, FaceTime with senior leadership like that is very, very rare, and it's usually very, yeah. very short. And, yeah. and the, But it's valuable because it gives you an opportunity to kind of take take issues directly to the top. So Correct. if you're if you're comfortable talking about it, what what did you put on his radar from sure. from your perspective? Yeah, we talked about workforce. We just said, you know, we're we're um, you know, 48th, 49th and 50th depending on the day and nurses, providers, mental health professionals per, per population here in the state of Nevada and I said being competitive um, is challenging not just from a financial standpoint because we've done a tremendous amount of work and I credit him uh, in Congress for giving us some, some flexibilities with pay, which we've been uh, we've been working on over the past couple of years plus. So that was important, but we talked about the workarounds. And I said, it, it, particularly in a bureaucratic uh, organization such as ours, if at the end of the day we want to be more market-driven in pay, not to be the market leaders in pay, because that's not what we're here for, but to be in the ballpark, um, why so many hoops do we have to go through? And um, it was very heartening to see the work that he's done, and, I, and I'm thinking of workforce management, Jessica Bonjourney, Congress, they've really come together, and I've seen more affect change that's helped us to do our jobs in the past couple of years than I've seen probably in, in the 12 years that I, 12, 13 years I've been with VA now. So we brought that to him, any, any place he could simplify and relieve our providers of, uh, of some of the administrative and bureaucratic burdens that they deal with, uh, whether it's uh, leveraging different uh, skill mixes of staff, uh, or changing how we just process some of these uh, these pay authorities. Uh, so a lot of conversation about workforce. Um, talked about just culture, uh, the external oversight. You know how the Office of Inspector General does their business through their lens uh, versus a Joint Commission versus a CARF type survey. Uh, how we balance all those needs and priorities. Uh, those are some of the things we brought forward to him. Uh, he mentioned recently um, some of the the core priorities that that he's established. Um, advocacy, yes. access, outcomes, and excellence. Right, right. And none of those are, are new principles. Those are all things that you know we've we've sure. talked about in some capacity yeah. uh, for years. Um, but with those four specifically laid out, where do you think the our healthcare system excels in each of these principles? So we, you know, the his job, uh, and certainly at the at the secretary level, you're going to get a real broad brush uh, approach, and then that gets a little more uh, defined, better defined as you cascade through the organization. So advocacy access, outcomes, excellence, very broad strokes. Uh, the, the undersecretary who leads VHA on the clinical arm, he speaks specifically, Dr. Elnahal, about higher, faster, more competitively, which we just touched on, right? And then he says, connect veterans to the soonest and best care. So you can see how they connect, both the advocacy, the outcomes, the excellence, and all that. Um, serving veterans with toxic exposures, a la PACT Act, right? Um, that, so you see the little bit of distillation as it cascades from the secretary of the VA um, to the undersecretary. Our journey to high reliability, which we've spent time on, I think, on this show, and as well as... Um, uh, trying to permeate that culture throughout the organization to make sure we have a just culture, a culture of safety, uh, one where people are feel comfortable with speaking up. It's a high-risk business in healthcare, as as we all know. Supporting veterans' whole health, treating the whole veteran. Um, those are some of the advantages we have over the private sector because many of those types of whole health um, initiatives aren't uh, reimbursable under many insurances. Well, we, we we're able to do that in, in a VA. 
um, taking care of caregivers or survivors, which goes all the way, harkens back to the days of President Lincoln. Um, and of course, preventing veteran suicide will always be on that list, although we've made some progress, still so much to learn. Uh, one is just frankly too many. Now, talking about his priorities, you know, you had a chance recently to establish um, our core priorities Correct. here yeah. within our healthcare network. Um, you know, the strategic planning uh, committee that basically set out what a lot of our priorities and our, our goals are going forward. Uh, we kind of came up with uh, our own little mantra: it's right yeah. care, right place. Yeah right time and right cost yeah i'm not the smartest guy in the room so you know i had to keep it simple for me <laughs> no but it's good it's uh it's catchy it's you know yeah. <laughs> it's, keep it simple um you know what do these values mean and what impact do you see that having from a strategic perspective yeah the, the challenge in healthcare, and, and I, I was fortunate to meet the um the deputy secretary was out here for the afge triennial uh, training convention so that was just a, a few days ago so in, um, in speaking, I, I had an opportunity to welcome that group uh, after uh, the, the DEPSEC had spoke. And I turned over to him and I said, uh, all due respect, sir, I said, but the secretary of the VA, the DEPSEC, Congress, administrations, um, you know, they, they evolve, they change, they turn over, administrations, things happen. So we had to think of a way strategically, how do you align with the, the shifts, because the, cause the the, um, the sails of the boat uh, do shift with the winds uh, up above us. So that's why that uh, blue banner, um, and I know you can't see that on a podcast, can you? Um, the, the blue banner, uh, we have the Secretary of VA principles, the Undersecretary of the VHA, Vision. That is meant to be able to be changed. And then we talked about below the blue banner, how do we align with whatever uh, flexes above uh, that line? And that's where the right care right place, right time, right cost came from as our priorities, and then broken into some lanes of effort that are contiguous and consistent in all healthcare entities, uh, whether you're, doesn't matter, uh, worldwide. I, I mean, you're always going to focus on quality and safety. That is just one of those areas that you will constantly be trying to make efforts towards improvement, and that's the uh, high reliability culture. Access has has been a, a challenge here in in Nevada and Las Vegas in particular. It's been a challenge in VA. It goes all the way back. You may, remember the Phoenix crisis. We've had a demographic shift in this country. People tend to forget that our Vietnam era veterans. Uh, my dad, for ex example, he's turning uh, 75 here in, in December. So that's what, what what do people do when they retire? More often than not, if you go back 10 years, 65, they move right. So that's um, where you see a lot of the Sunbelt states uh, really struggle with, with access. So we focus on that. We're frankly um, doing a better job with access here locally in our VA, in our healthcare system, than even in the community. Because mm -hmm. now through Mission Act and all that, we actually can ping our network of providers that we leverage in the community. More often than that, they don't have access any sooner than we do, uh, oftentimes even later. So the beauty of, of access for our veterans nowadays, years later, is referral coordination. They actually get to speak to someone about, here are your options, veteran, sir, ma'am, whomever. Um, if you go out to the community, this is the approximate weight. If you work with us here, this is the approximate weight. Here's what you're eligible for, here's what you're not eligible for. You choose, uh, leveraging the clinical resource hub out in uh, California. We do a lot of work with Palo Alto and San Francisco, virtual care. So a lot of work on access. Uh, the experience here every day is Veterans Day. Uh, we work hard on that, both for our staff, 
as well as veterans and, uh, and stewardship, we still have to be mindful that we are spending uh, taxpayer money. Uh, so those are our lanes of effort here. Thank you very much, Mr. Karen. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. We'll be back with more right after this. This is the story of a very special woman. Just a few knew about her superpowers. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. It was a normal day. He was in some minor accident, a fender bender. And I had this impulse to call him, but I didn't, because I thought I could call him later that week. He abandoned the car, he came home, and he shot himself without ever talking to anyone. When I came home that night and I found her, they told me that she had shot herself, and I couldn't believe it. I asked if he was okay. Shooting is unfortunately effective. There are not a lot of second chances. Once you pull that trigger, that's it. There is no coming back. 63 Americans a day die by gun suicide. By storing our guns safely, locked, unloaded, and away from ammo, we can give our loved ones a second chance at life. Learn more at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by Brady and the Ad Council. Welcome back to The Nine Line, Southern Nevada's source for veteran-related healthcare news and information. Here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. Welcome back to The Nine Line Podcast. I'm your host, John Archiquette, and with me is Joshua Gray, my co-host. Co-host. What a great title. I love it. I missed it so much. And of course, Mr. Karen, our director and CEO, is joining us today. Uh, we talked a lot about um, Mr. McDonough, or uh, sorry, Secretary McDonough's visit, uh, talked about the PAC Act, um, and we talked about our core values, um, right care, right place, right time, and right cost. And, you, know, you gave us a great perspective of the strategic of that, but what does that look like from the day-to-day perspective of our, our care workers? Right. Yeah, and that's why we put uh, we put that framework together in a, in a one-pager, so to speak, uh, so that there's an obligation within each service and, and across services um, every day to huddle. Uh, and huddle sounds generic, um, but there's a, a purpose to the daily management system and in the spirit of high reliability as you review certain areas similar to like the airline industry goes through a checklist of things uh, to be safe. So we talk about uh, what's your staffing methodology today, your staffing complement, what's your supply, you have any gaps in supplies, any gaps in equipment, any process problems, anything you ran into uh, today or anticipating today or tomorrow or look back on yesterday that needs to be brought forward uh, that requires some support from other services or, um, or has to route up through the, um, through the region or to be reported to central office, where do we need that support? So those lanes of effort that I talked about, you know, quality access, uh, experience, safety, and then stewardship, they connect to the huddles. So the so the boards, each service uses uh, either a virtual board or a, or it could be a Word document, could be a, a whiteboard, doesn't matter, as long as they have those particular subject matter areas and they're touching on that. So. 
as the day uh, kicks off, that's their connection to the strategic planning priorities because it's all in the spirit of right care, right place, right time, right cost. So we, we cascade that through the organization every single day through multiple, multiple huddles. Uh, and if you multiply the number of services times the number of huddles times the number of people involved times the number of shifts, um, it's absolutely um, phenomenal how that um, happens at the grassroots level. Where's the challenge here in, you know, getting buy-in on these things so people aren't just looking at this and going, yay, more meetings, yay, yeah, corporate yeah, speak, stuff, right? right? Like, uh, you know, you, you hear you hear these mottos and it's like, oh, it's another motivational poster kind of thing, right? <laughs> yeah. So so where's where's the challenge in, in getting the buy-in and, and how do you meet that? I think it's being respectful of time, number one. So when we talk about a stand-up huddle, it's literally minutes um, even at the um, top tier huddle, which we usually run around 9.15, that is only 15 minutes. And we're covering and anything and everything that bubbled up through all the huddles uh, through the course of the early morning and whatever occurred over the evening. So I think being respectful for time and understanding the why. Um, so we had a lot of conversation, a lot of dialogue. We talk about the risks in healthcare. Um, whether you're walking in as a new employee, a newcomer orientation, you hear about just culture, you hear about the risks in healthcare, you hear about high reliability and our commitment um, to trying to keep our, uh, our veterans and our staff safe. So I think it's grassroots, um, educational, understanding the why behind it, being respectful of time. Um, we used to have people scramble up for what used to be term morning report. And a lot of times um, people were just getting in, they were just getting their reports from the overnight shift and we'd get up to morning report <clears throat> earlier in the day and, and not a lot had been solved and not a lot of cross talk had occurred. So it was happening um, in a fragmented uh, way. So that's why we um, gave it a different framework and made sure people were on the same page. It's really hard to do. Um, it, it takes a cultural commitment as well as a, a strategic tactical uh, initiative like this to uh, pull them together. Do you find you're getting a lot of information that that literally comes from the bottom and doesn't get filtered out as it gets, I guess, telephoned yeah. up up through successively higher levels of, of yeah. uh, organization? Uh, both. I, I think we're, we have a lot less um, finger pointing, I'll call it like, well, what, did you do this or did you follow up on that work order? Because they'd already had that conversation It was and it was structured. So it's less... Um, personal, so to speak. It's about the business of healthcare keeping the veteran at the center of the conversation. So a lot of things that we weren't hearing in the past um, prior to this framework, we are hearing now. But this is only one tool. The other tool is, is we care rounding, HRO rounds, being out there, being at meetings, giving uh, uh, staff uh, opportunities to speak up, whether it be in a town hall or, or various forums. Um, those are the other ways to access uh, information. All employee survey is a great tool for us as well. You mentioned you mentioned we care rounding. Yeah, uh, touch on that a little bit on what that is, so that people yeah. who maybe who are outside of our organization um, are be, get a little bit familiar with it because right. I think it's a great tool. Yeah, it's a, the uh, the old adage used to be uh, management by walking kind of thing is what they used to call it, but it's just it's maintaining some visibility. And it's tough to do because. You know, there's uh, nine, uh, eight or nine senior, what I consider senior leaders, um, and, and they've all run in their own lanes and their own service lines. And even for myself, when you've got, 
you know, I'm reporting up through the Vizen and I'm reporting up through Vaco and we've got all these other commitments and things of that nature. Getting out and being visible is hard. You literally have to put it on your schedule to get out there. But We Care Rounding is taking uh, management by walking around and giving it a little bit of structure, a little bit of standardization to make sure that we're asking the right open-ended questions that touch on high reliability. Do you feel safe? Do you feel safe speaking up? And then a little bit different questioning for veterans, of course, um, to hear about their experience with our healthcare system. So that happens. We did, um, oh, well over a thousand of them uh, just this past uh, fiscal year. Those, so think of those a thousand touch points, um, which is just tremendous. I, I know I did about thirty of them. Yes, myself. you did a lot. Yes, Josh. <laughs> um, right. yeah. And it's it's always amazing to me how honest people are. Yeah, you can. People are genuine. There's, yeah. you would think that you know, especially if it's kind of like internal polling that people. Right. Well, I know this is going to go in front of the leadership and the director, so they'll kind of sugarcoat things yeah. or, or or just kind of give the the answer you're expected to hear. Yeah. That's not the case yeah. with with we care rounding, and it's uh, it, it's it it seems to me, from my level, that it's a pretty valuable tool because sure. people are actually speaking up when they have concerns. Yeah, yeah. And much better than a paper or a text survey. Sure, you're actually yeah. getting to talk to someone. Sure. Uh, that's a sign of a healthy workplace. I believe. So. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think so. If you have people who feel comfortable being open and honest about yeah. their, like, you know, their feelings, you can ask them, "Hey, on a, on a scale of one to five, five being excellent, how would you rate your your job experience here?" Yeah. And they're like, ah, "That's a two. Yeah, and it's like, "Well, thank you for your honesty. Like, why? Yeah. Tell us more." Yeah, you know. The secretary, we touched on that with the secretary, and I and tried to impress upon him in, in, in every orientation and throughout our conversations. Every time you see that picture with the senior leadership team, you know, with the flag behind me and all that, I literally tell you know folks that these are the least important people in the organization. And, you know, they laugh and say, well, what, what do you mean? But then we explain that, you know, yeah, I, I've got to keep us pointed true north. I need to make sure we have the right processes in place. You have the tools to succeed. But at the end of the day, you have to be empowered, engaged, because the senior leaders are only going to know 5% of what's going on any given day, you know, in a day-to-day, minute-to-minute. Think about the volume of, of veterans we had. We did a well over a million encounters. Well, each encounter has how many interactions and transactions. That's tens of millions of touch points going on in any given year. Uh, you're never going to have enough standard operating procedures and directives and guidance. You have to be informed, engaged, and people need to be comfortable speaking up. Is the We Care Rounding something that's standard, standardized across the VA, or is that something specific to our facility? Kind of, sort of, but not kind really. Kind of, sort yeah. of, but not really? <laughs> yeah, okay. it, well, it is. Um, high reliability, uh, the cultural shift high reliability started uh, back uh, when Dr. Stone was the undersecretary. Air Force had, had adopted that. Uh, and he came out of the Air Force, of course. Um, so this is a, it's a cultural shift for us, and it's a, it's part of I look at it as part of I care values, foundational. Um, so rounding is one of those tools, uh, huddling, rounding, safety forums, all wrapped around the cultural shift because culture, I think it was Drucker that said culture eats strategy for breakfast. You have to have that cultural shift in the right direction, or all the strategy and tactics in the world fall apart um, if you don't have that buy-in. You know, one thing we talked about earlier with uh, with our, our priorities and our core values, you know, was right time. A lot of that goes into access, as yeah. you mentioned. Yeah. Um, part of access is, of course, having enough personnel <laughs> staff, yeah. uh, staff uh-huh. available to, to meet these veterans' needs. And one of the, the big priorities that Undersecretary Omaha laid out was the, uh, you know, having access and having the stream, streamlining the process for hiring. Yes. And... Uh, one thing that we're kind of doing to accommodate that is an onboarding surge. Yep. Uh, so, uh, 
coming up next Tuesday and Wednesday, November 15th and 16th, uh, we're going to be hosting an onboarding surge event here. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? So the um, the surge initiative, um, as they talked about workforce modernization and some of the efforts, a lot of the um, the hurdles that we encounter, some of them are, are etched in statute. So those, uh, the PACT Act and some of the things that, are, that, that have helped change statute, that's great. That's all in good. Um, but there's still a lot of things that we have to go through in order to onboard people that we know are safe to take care of veterans and, and to do the work that we do. So uh, we were a tip of the spear, the Vizin, and in particularly our, our facility on, uh, just because we were, were access challenged and we need staff and we're growing so fast, uh, we worked closely with the network and national and did our first surge which was really, really successful. And that was a great credit uh, to our local, our, our HR people, the HR people in the shared service unit. Uh, the deputy director led that effort um, with a cadre of people, and it was quite successful several months ago. So some of those best practices have bubbled up, and, and we were, we were uh, tagged to share that and to, and to do another one. Um, so that's what's coming up uh, here uh, you're seeing it across the country, and it's part of um, uh, Dr. Allen the Halls. You heard uh, it's a higher, faster, more competitively. So this upcoming surge, it's, n it's not a hiring fair. We're not recruiting or soliciting applications per se, but it's to take those people that are uh, in the pipeline, in the queue, so to speak, and to really expedite uh, that process of getting them onboarded. So instead of things happening in a this step occurs, then this step, then this step, you have, think of uh, multiple escalators all going in the same direction so that you're climbing that um, ladder towards onboarding simultaneously. So we're trying to get a lot done in that one day. I mean, that, that's so important days. because of you know, how competitive some of these positions can be sure. within the community too. Sure. So you know, having having the ability to, to streamline that process and yeah. kind of cut through some of the bureaucracy and red tape. Yeah, it, they're, they're necessary to be done, but if you do them in a coordinated fashion, more of a pull process versus a push, mm -hmm. it can be done more efficiently. Excellent. Uh, one thing also that uh, was kind of big news in the VA this week, um, we had the toxic exposure screening yes. uh, began. Yeah. Um, how is VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System uh, incorporating that? And yeah. what, what kind of information do we want veterans to know about that? That launched uh, yesterday. Um, there's been a lot of a lot of good press and a lot of guidance. Um, even when the secretary was out here, we also went over to Nellis and talked about the transitional program for those uh, active duty members that are transitioning out. Um, and, and I think the key messaging is, is twofold. Number one is, you don't know what you don't know, so just get screened. Uh, and the screening is literally takes less than five minutes. And uh, the, you know whether you're seeing a primary care physician, uh, uh, come get screened. So the so the messaging is is out there. Uh, it predominantly, when I say twofold, it's the VHA side, the screening for toxic exposure, and then and then it's through the typical compensation pension process, VBA process on the benefits side. So. Um, but you can't do one without the other. So the screening needs to occur. So our messaging is we have the templates, they're formed. We have lots of informational uh, channels out there. We have a couple navigators in place and our, uh, our staff are all, all trained. So the screenings have begun. So I think that's the messaging for veterans is, um, boy, if you've been in these areas, read through the, through the areas that are involved in the PACT Act legislation or take a look at our, uh, our website and our information that's out there and uh, come get screened. I think for you know veterans in our generation, the, the post 9-11 veterans as well, I, I think it's pretty much all of us yeah. <laughs> that have been out there. That so. have been out there. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. 
Uh, Mr. Karen, is there anything else you wanted to talk about today? Any other topics that were uh, near and dear to your heart? Uh, well, Veterans Day is coming, as we touched on, so please uh, take some time to reflect. Um, couldn't be more proud of this workforce. We're growing, growing, growing. Um, I remember uh, when the all-employee survey came out, one of the things that struck me was the servant leader index was climbing. And that's a, that's a leading indicator for me that tells me that people are willing to have those conversations. That means staff is engaged. They're feeling safe to speak up and to bring, uh, bring information forward. Because frankly, this is a team sport. Um, we have to do it together. We grow together. Um, we, we hurt together. Um, I, I think back to the 90, uh, 90 veterans that we lost during COVID. Uh, all of them were saluted on their, um, on their final journey you know, to the beyond. Um, the staff is doing great things every single day. So don't let the minutia, uh, don't let some of the bad news that's out there and some of the finger pointing that we tend to see uh, out there, some of the sensationalism get you down. You're doing tremendous work here. So let's all keep pressing forward. Thank you. So one thing I did want to talk about that I had mentioned earlier, um, the Adaptive Sports Program Winter Sports Clinic is going to be opening up, actually just opened up registration yesterday. So having been able, had a chance to work at a few of those events, it's amazing. You have veterans who are of all ability levels, all you know disability levels, able to learn to ski, learn to snowboard, fishing. Um, they have sled hockey. It's a really incredible event. So if you're interested in participating in any of those, uh, check out the... Uh, the Adaptive Sports webpage, or you can actually go on Facebook, look up Adaptive Sports uh, and Creative Arts Program, and they will have uh, registration signups there, or you can go onto Twitter and Instagram at, at sports for the number four vets. Um, it's a really op- great opportunity, and it'd be great to get some more Vegas veterans out there for those. Um, that's all I guess we have for today, so thank you both for, uh, for welcoming me back with open arms. Yay! <laughs> Welcome back, John. Welcome back, John. Um, And we look forward to uh, continuing the Nine Line podcast with you next week. You've been listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. For more information about what the VA is doing for Nevada's veterans, check out our official webpage at www.lasvegas.va.gov or follow us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash lasvegasva. Thanks for listening.